Well, Merry Christmas again to you all. Before we read the story in our text, which is Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and you can look at it in the Bible there if you like, page 807, I think. Um, before we do that, I want to ask you a simple question. Would you, would you rather be intelligent or wise? I think we all know people who are really intelligent. They can uh, solve a Rubik's Cube in like a minute. They can remember facts and figures as if they're kind of a walking computer. Oh, to be really intelligent. But is it better to be intelligent or wise? I think we all know smart people who lack wisdom and their lives suffer for all their poor decisions. See, someone who is intelligent can use their intelligence for both good or for evil. They can cure disease or they can hack your savings account. Intelligence can be useful or harmful, while wisdom, on the other hand, always seeks a positive end. Think about it. Wisdom always operates for good. The story we're about to read invites you to consider wisdom. It invites you to take a look at good and evil. It invites you to look at some characters in our text and see how they respond to the wisdom of, of Christmas. The story, we see four different characters foolishly, four characters, three characters foolishly respond to Jesus in one group of characters wisely. We see King Herod, the townspeople, the religious leaders, and then there are the wise men. The Greek word is magi, from where we get our English word magi, or wise people, wise men. In the story, only the Magi respond wisely to the birth of Jesus. All others, for various reasons, they reject him. They reject the joy and the peace that only he can bring into their lives. And so as I read this story, I want you to kind of jump into it, live it out, see how each group reacts, and try to find yourself in the story. Which group best represents you? Matthew, uh, chapter 2, beginning verse 1, reading through verse 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us this word, a sure and true word meant to not just encourage us, but to lead us in our lives. So we ask that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, illuminate these words to all who are here. May we truly treasure Christ, adore him, and worship him, we pray. Amen. Well, right now, somewhere in the United States, there are up to three, perhaps four children under the age 18 who will grow up to be president of the United States. No one is chasing them down. How would you even know it if you found one of them? It would take a lot more than wisdom. It would take quite a bit of luck. The best you could say after looking at a two-year-old future president is, who knows, only time will tell. It's different with Jesus, though. Wise men came from far away to see the one who was born of such low status. They understood the significance of this child. They arrived in Jerusalem, the capital city, and they asked King Herod, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? They knew who he was born to become. But it's not enough to get Jesus' identity right. We must get ourselves right before him. And we see this in the wise men as they traveled many, many miles over many days so that they could be right before him. As they told King Herod, we saw his star and we have come to worship him. As we will see tonight, the wise seek him. They seek him before, because they believe that this very Jesus, born of Mary, is God's answer to all the brokenness and sorrow that is in this world. And it's true, this world is full of brokenness and sorrow and sin that only God can heal. And Jesus is God in the flesh, come into the world to redeem you and to restore you and to make you to be a child of God. And because of this, the wise still seek him. Now, let's investigate the responses of the various characters in the story and see where we fit in. The first response is that of King Herod. King Herod responds with anger. The wise men show up and they ask, they come seeking, They're, they enter into his castle, they, they seek the one who's been born king of the Jews. And you know, Herod's like, there's been no children born in my house in the last few years. So he interpreted their, their report as a threat. As we read in verse 3, when King Herod heard the news, he was disturbed. And this was how Herod typically responded. He's described by historians as, as an intelligent leader, uh, a good politician. He excelled in famine relief projects and building projects. But he became cruel and paranoid later in life, and he bent all of his efforts towards retaining his power. Perpetually fearing plots against his life, he executed his own wife, Mary Amney, and four, uh, three of his sons. In the passage right after ours, Herod issues a decree to kill all the young males in Bethlehem in the hopes of killing Jesus. This is who Herod was. So the announcement of, of the Messiah's birth angered him. Herod worshipped himself, and this blinded him to the wisdom of God. So to us, right? Of course, none of us are as cruel as Herod. I get it. 
but we can share a similar heart, heart which beats towards oneself in our own kingdoms. It's all really just a matter of degrees. Until we have the wisdom to respond correctly to Christ, there is no room on the throne of our own lives for the Son of God to rule over us. We want to be kings and queens of our own kingdoms, no matter how small they are. And so we lack the wisdom to seek after Christ and to come to him and to joyfully worship him as our Savior and our King. Do you see this in your own life? The next response is of the townspeople. The townspeople respond with anxiety. If you're taking notes, all four of these are A words, okay? Matthew writes in verse 3 that that when Herod became troubled, so too all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Think of Herod as the prototype of every tyrant throughout the centuries, talented, fearless, vain, cruel, violent. And so in Jerusalem, if Herod was disturbed, then everybody was disturbed. And yet, think about it, they should not have been indifferent to the Magi's report. After all, the arrival of the Magi seemed to fit the prophecies. Jeremiah said the the Messiah would be a king, and the Magi seek one who is born the king of the Jews. Isaiah says nations will come to your light, and the Magi represent the nations. The book of Numbers prophesied a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. And the prophet Micah, whom the chief priests and the scribes had just quoted, he, he says words about the infant that, that should have, listened. that should have calmed their anxious minds. Here's what the prophet says. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Years later, Jesus would say, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am lowly and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This baby is the long-awaited shepherd king who draws people into him, who provides security, who removes anxiety and worry. To all who come to him, he is their peace. The report that the long-awaited Messiah has been born should have produced ecstasy and profound joy among the townspeople, and yet they missed him. Their shepherd king had just been born, but they lacked the wisdom to draw near in hope and in faith. The third response is that of the two groups of religious leaders, and they respond with apathy. One group is the chief priests, and the other group is the scribes, and they were polar opposites. The scribes were the, were the conservative teachers of scripture, and they were, they were bent on preserving uh, traditional Jewish culture. The chief priests came from the ruling party, the Sadducees, and they were wealthy and powerful rulers who owed their continued power to, good, to their good standing with the Roman authorities. Now, why did Herod asked these two polar opposite groups the same question. Because if they could but agree on the birthplace of the Messiah, well, then the answer must be right. In verses 5 and 6, both groups quote from chapter 5 of the prophet Micah. Where will the Messiah king be born? Micah tells us that he will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judea. They both passed the Bible exam. They knew their prophecies. 
Chances are, think about it, they went home for dinner that night and sat around the table and proudly told their families, guess what happened to me today? The king sought my counsel, and I had the answer that he sought. He was most pleased. Now, if it's possible to pick one group that, uh, in one response that saddens us the most, it's the response of the religious leaders. The religious leaders were satisfied to quote scripture and then go home. They should have rejoiced over the news. They should have dropped what they were doing to run to Bethlehem. But they never went to Bethlehem to seek the coming Savior. And later, when Jesus was grown, they would not believe in him as well and continue to disbelieve, even as he ministered among them. In fact, they were the first ones to cry out for his crucifixion. As J.C. Ryle points out, their heads were better than their hearts. And so the wisdom challenge for us today is this. Do you see how you can settle for head knowledge of Jesus without coming to him with a gladdened heart and with adoration and with worship? We can have the gift of intelligence but miss out on the gift of God's grace towards us in his sending of his son for us. As Ryle says, the gift of intelligence can save no one but the gift of grace can lead you to glory. This brings us to the appropriate response, that of the magi or wise men, and they respond with adoration. You know, many intellectuals today mock uh, this story in the Bible. It's made up. How could it ever happen? No way. Miraculous stars, supposed wise men traipsing all over with camels and gifts. It never happened. So before we look at the response of the Magi, let me point out some facts that will open our eyes to the possibility uh, that Magi would travel as they did. First, who are the Magi? Well, they're not kings. They were, they were advisors to the kings. They were very smart, highly educated. And it wasn't just three of them. It would have been a huge entourage. Second, we know that so many of the intellectuals of that age were astrologers. And so the Magi would have been astrologers too. They believed the stars held answers, so they studied them. We also know that at that time, people believed that, that, that the birth of great kings or at the death of great kings, these things were marked by astrological signs. For instance, in 44 BC, Julius Caesar was assassinated. He died, and he, as he's being buried over his funeral pyre, there appeared this super comet that lasted for seven days. It came to be known as Caesar's Comet. You can look it up online. My point is that ancient people believed that when kings are born or about to die, something in the heavens will show it. Also consider this historical reality. In the first century AD, in and around the Mediterranean, there was a strong belief that a powerful ruler was soon to come out of Judea. Most ancient, uh, many ancient historians have written about this expectation. And one last thing. We also know that when Jesus was born, there was this odd conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, and, it, and the astrologers went crazy over it. Therefore, in light of what I just said, the, the idea that magi would come from the east makes sense. They were astrologers who uh, looked into the sky. They knew that a great ruler was to come out of Judea. And so when they saw the star, they loaded up their camels with gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Something great must have been going on on earth, and they knew that the promised king, the promised king of God, had come. So they wisely followed the star. But think this through. Their, their wisdom was insufficient. How so? The star only gets them part way, right? Not until they open the words of Scripture do they know where to go. In this case, the 750-year-old words of the prophet Micah that the shepherd king, Messiah, will be born in Bethlehem. See, the wisdom of our age only gets us so close to Christ. We need the words of God to rightly find him and come to him. Does that make sense? So all this to say, the Magi traveling so far because of a star fits the time and the place of the story. But the more important thing for us to consider and to ponder is the wisdom of the Magi. Instead of the anger of Herod or the anxiety of the people or the apathy of the religious leaders, the Magi respond with adoration. The scribes and chief priests had far more and better information than the Magi did, but the Magi responded and acted wisely based on what they knew. They traveled to see the king child. They left jobs serving kings and princes. They left home and family to follow a star. It was a perilous journey through alien land, riding on foul-smelling camels. They brought the most expensive gifts they could find. When they arrived, they fell down before the Lord and worshiped him. And then they gave gifts. They knew little, but they acted upon what they knew. They bowed in reverence and worship. To worship means to look with great joy and delight in, in, in recognizing the worthiness of this child that's before them. And because they took joy in the king, King Jesus, they gave gifts, costly gifts, to honor him. The Magi brought their best. And think this through. Most likely, these expensive gifts saved the life of Jesus. How so? Well, King Herod is about to issue a decree to kill all boys two years and younger. Within a few days, Joseph and Mary and Jesus would flee for their lives in Egypt. The costly gold, frankincense, and myrrh brought them the freedom and the protection they would need. Now, usually... After receiving a gift, a king usually gave something back to his visitors. In this case, the royal family had nothing to give. They were quite poor. But later, Jesus would give his life. He gives us the gift of eternal life to who all who in wisdom would come before him in faith and bow a knee and worship him. Tonight, you and I have far more knowledge than those ancient magi. We know what happened to the baby. We know that he is the son of God sent by his father to redeem this world. God sent his son to live and to die and to rise again in our place so that we may be forgiven of our sin and so that we may become children of God. We need this mercy and grace more than we need any gift in this life. The wisdom of Christmas leads us to Christ, and it causes us to worship him. So, have you sought out Christ? Have you come to him as your one and only hope in this life and in the next? Do you seek him? 
the wise still do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that your written word has shown us true truth to be received, to be believed, to walk in. We confess that our hearts need help. We want to believe, but we need help to believe. So would you continue to send your spirit in this hour so that we may trust and believe in Christ and rejoice in him and adore him as you've called us to do. Amen.